0: breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good day. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and thanks for tuning in to the Veterans Path podcast. This podcast is just a piece of what we do. Veterans Path is actually a nonprofit working to introduce veterans and active service members to meditation and mindfulness typically in outdoor settings, so they can rediscover a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of veterans' path, increase attendance at our retreats so we're able to help more veterans, and finally to reduce the stigma around mindfulness and meditation and seeking mental health support. Listeners and viewers, if you're enjoying the show, Please give us a review or a like and share the show with anyone and everyone you think could benefit from our message. Also, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting VeteransPath.org forward slash donate. All right. For the third time, I'm going to record this intro. Today, I'm super excited to have as my guests, the founders of Veterans Path, Lee Klinger-Lesser and Chris Forton. From her company's website, ReturnToOurSenses.com, Lee studied sensory awareness with Charlotte Silver for 33 years. She has been leading workshops since 1976, both in English and Spanish, which I didn't know that part, by the way, Lee. Uh, She teaches in the United States, Mexico, Spain, and Canada, and she sees over and over again the gift that this practice brings into the lives of so many people and into our world that is in such great need of people living with awareness, resilience, and presence. For most of her life, Lee has been engaged in a process of social change along parallel paths, offering classes and workshops in sensory awareness, practicing Zen Buddhism, and working towards equity and social justice for young children and their families through the field of early childhood education. From Chris's site, dharmaheartzen.com, Chris is a Soto Zen priest and teacher. She began practicing Buddhism in 1976 while living at the San Francisco Zen Center. After many years of practice, she received Dharma transmission from, and I'm gonna mess this word up as well, Chris. So Zoketsu, is that correct?
1: On
2: the mark.
0: (laughs) All right, right. I wanted to make sure I pronounced pronounced that correctly. So from Zoketsu Norman Fisher of Everyday Zen, and we'll get into the lineage here soon on that, what that all means. Chris established Dharma Heart Zen to share the path of wholehearted living and awakening with others. She leads the Dharma Heart Zen Sangha in Kotati. Again, I'm, am I pronouncing that one right? Kotati in California. And, uh, and the Woman's Lotus Sangha in <laughs> You guys are really ch- Sebastopol you guys are challenging me on with the pronunciation <laughs> here <laughs> she practices and teaches in the everyday Zen community as well as at the San Francisco Zen Center she is guiding teacher of Sky Island Zen in Tucson Arizona and leads retreats and workshops throughout the country again quoting from Lee's site here kind of wrapping up all, uh, the intro in 2008 she and Chris co-founded the organization honoring the path of the warrior, which was later named Veterans Path, which it is today. Path being the acronym for peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. Veterans Path is dedicated to reaching out to veterans to share the practices of sensory awareness, meditation, and mindfulness to build a community of refuge and a new path of service. It is dedicated to cultivating more peace in ourselves and in our world and not leaving veterans to carry the dark shadows and wounds of war by themselves. Listen. Cr- Lee and Chris, I combined you guys, Lee and Chris led this organization for 11 years, but in fall of 2019, stepped away from the former role in the organization. But they are both still facilitating programs for veterans and specifically work with us here at Veterans Path in a facilitator role. And we're going to find out a lot more about Lee and Chris and how Veterans Path came to be all here on today's episode of the Veterans Path podcast. All right, welcome back. That was a tough intro to get through. I uh, mispronounced so many things and we recorded it three separate times and still still messed it up. But as mentioned in the intro, my guests today are Veterans Path co-founders Lee Klinger-Lesser and Chris Fortin. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. So great to have you both with, with me today. Uh, my wife is actually out in your neck of the woods right now. She traveled out to San Francisco to be with her sister who is in the Coast Guard who uh, just had surgery and uh, traveling during this whole time is, is, a, is a unique experience. Uh, so she sent pictures of the airports that are completely abandoned, uh, you know, flying. They've left the third seat or the middle seat open on the planes but she sent me pictures of San Francisco uh, and went for a run and the weather looks phenomenal out there. So I'm, uh, I'm jealous of, of what she's experiencing right now in San Francisco. So um, that all said, let's, uh, let's get into this. So Chris, uh, I'll start with you and, and that's for no, no other reason than C comes before L in the alphabet. Uh, <laughs> so just keep it easy. Um, you heard the bio that I read there about yourself at the beginning, but before your pro- professional bio started, uh, to kind of take form, can you tell us a little bit more about who Chris is, things like, um, where you grew up, your childhood, how that was, current family makeup, and then, and then finally, what led you down the path that you took? Yeah.
2: Uh, so, so let me, first of all, <clears throat> Uh, I wouldn't call it a professional bio. I would call it a, just a stream a, of, and flow of my, my life, that one thing led to another, which uh, I assume will continue to happen until the day I die, which is quite lovely, of just my life becoming more and more uh, deep and true. Uh, so I grew up in, I was born in Ohio, uh my it was it was I'm dating myself big time but um uh right after world war ii my, my father was uh a combat vet i uh, never talked about it i have his scrapbook now and i go back and i can touch it lightly because when i look at it and given what so many of the works uh with the vets and veterans path have ta- taught me uh, i i can read between the lines and have some inkling of what it was that he and so many others experienced. Uh, So when he came back, I was born a couple of years later. Uh, He was traumatized, although nobody used that word back then, but he was uh, an amazing person, professional. He raised us, We uh, we had a very good life and he would fall into holes, and there were, was rage, and uh, I, I, I always felt his suffering. I never understood it, but I always knew it. And as a child, you just love your dad more than anything. <laughs> you want to do something, and there was really nothing to do. Uh, but the outflow of that was that eventually... Uh, I became, I, I went to San Francisco Zen Center, not out of some great mission, but mostly because life didn't make any sense, and I always had the feeling that nobody was telling me the truth, which <laughs> just, that, that that there that there were landmines under the surface that occasionally or a lot I would run into and not understand what was rumbling the surface. So. Uh, I meditated for a long time just to find stability. I think I just needed to find some way to sit down and ground myself. Uh, At a certain point, it became clear because I was living at Green Gulch Farm in San Francisco Zen Center that it was uh, important to take my practice into the world because like Lee, I was always uh, uh, social and aware of the suffering of the world, not just my own, and uh, became a psychotherapist helped me a lot to understand my own wounds and my own heart and my mind, uh, not to mention others. And uh, the more I did that, the more I remembered how much the base of my life had always been just sitting down, being aware in my body and my senses and uh, returned in a more active way, although I never left, but returned more through everyday Zen and uh, studied with Norman Fisher and a lot of my old friends who I'd been practicing with in one way or another for a lot of years, and that kind of brings me to here and the beginning of the Iraq War and the beginning of being aware of this. This was this was going to be an entry point for a lot of people who were the age of my son at that point, who were being sent off to war, and how could I be of help because I knew it through my own family so that's kind of a short uh
0: we'll get more into that he, definitely i'm going to dig on uh, several points you brought up there here mm-hmm. shortly but before we do that uh over to you lee for basically the same question tell us a little bit more about yourself outside of what i covered in the intro there uh kind of the same questions that i uh, that i threw at chris
1: sure <laughs> it's interesting that our lives are different mm-hmm. but our paths um are parallel and and um in the sense of living with trauma that's been suppressed or not dealt with and looking for a way to uh, meet it and open. Because I I grew up in uh, Great Neck, New York, a suburb of New York City. I also was born, I was born in 1951, so six years after World War II ended. And I grew up in a predominantly Jewish community So I actually grew up thinking that most people in the world were Jewish. Uh, And I realized that, you know, my family and most of the people who went to move there and live there were looking for a protected place as Jews, wanted to find a safe place to raise their family out of the trauma of the war. But I had no idea of that. You know, I just grew up thinking I was living in this kind of protected, privileged place um, and that everybody in the world, most people in the world were Jewish. Um, And... Um, in my family, there was also a lot of tension that was never talked about, and there was a lot of conflict between my mother and father, uh, but over little things. But they would there would be all this pent up tension, and that I could always feel, and I did also didn't know what to do about it or how to resolve anything because I didn't even know what it was, um, and there was a way that. Uh, that kind of tension that was there uh, was in my own body and in my psyche. And again, I couldn't relate to it because I didn't know what it was. And when I was, um, so I, I was actually quite disconnected. I, I was self-conscious. I didn't have trust in my own body and, and, and had to live in, in with any kind of awareness really. And uh, when I was in college, I came home for a visit and I was actually trying to separate from my mother and you know, I felt like there was I, I, it's interesting Chris you were talking about pe- feeling like people were lying to you or not telling you the truth my mother would kind of try and get into intimate with me and know what I was feeling but I always felt there was something I couldn't find her you know like there was something sticky and I couldn't find her and um, she when I went home for this Thanksgiving break my mother handed me a brochure And she said to me, you should meet this woman. She can change your life. And then she turned around and walked out the door, which was really skillful of my mother, because if she had tried to convince me, you know, Veterans Path actually wouldn't be here. I would never have done any of this, uh, because I was curious in spite of myself. My mother had never said anything like that to me. Uh, And I ended up out of curiosity, going to take a workshop with this woman who I knew nothing about. I knew nothing about what she was doing, but it turned out that she was doing this workshop in Mexico where um, I had always, not had always, but the summer before I had worked with the, uh, Cesar Chavez and the United Farm Workers Union um, as they were signing the very first contracts with farm workers and ranchers, which was amazing. And it, it really also changed my life and there were all these Mexican farm workers who said, you know, you need to go to Mexico, you need to learn Spanish. And th- my mother hands me this brochure and this woman was going to be in Mexico doing a workshop, who knows what it was, but this, whatever this crazy thing was, um, right when I had to do some project off campus from college. So it was almost like this was handed to me as all these different things converged. And when I went, so Charlotte Silver was the woman and then she was, uh, a little, she was like 76 when I met her, um, or 77 when I met her, no, 73, whatever, she was She was <laughs> in the 70s. Not so, a little bit older than me, not a lot older than me. Uh, she already seemed like an old woman when I met her, so it's kind of funny to be around that age now. Um, but the, being in that workshop absolutely did change my life. And very simple things that happened. Um, noticing breathing for the first time. I remember sitting on this fence, looking out at the ocean, and I felt breath breathing me. I felt this movement of air in my armpits. And I realized you know, that I was as natural as the ocean, that I didn't have to do something to be natural. I didn't have to deserve it. I didn't have to be a good girl. You know, I'd grown up trying so hard to be a good girl, to do the right thing, that I was disconnected from just being natural. And, um, there were three things that happened in that workshop that really were core to changing my life that are still teach me all the time. So one was just that, you know, breathing happens and I'm as natural as anything else. This is how I'm born and brought into this world as a, as nature. And then, um, You know, I was 19 years old when I was taking this workshop, and it all seemed really strange to me, as it does to lots of veterans as they start to come in to feel, "What is this mindfulness stuff about?"
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: um, <laughs> you can relate. Totally. Uh, so Charlotte asked us to work with a partner and to hold the foot of a partner, and I'm thinking, you know, why do I want to go feel some stranger's <laughs> smelly foot? And it was just like. I had no interest at all. And I look around and everybody's doing it. And I thought, you know, all right, I'm here, whatever, I'll go do it. So there's this person and I think, okay, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm not just going to do it. I'm going to do a really good job at doing this. Because, you know, if I do it, it's got to be really good. (laughs) In my mind, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, okay, you know what? All right, don't worry. I've got your foot. You know, I've, I've got your foot. I'm really here and I've got your foot, you know? And Charlotte said, are you doing anything extra? And I don't know if you can see my shoulder, but my shoulder is almost touching my ear. And I felt it, I actually felt it. And my shoulder came down, I didn't put it down, but because she said, are you doing anything extra? I could feel, you know, all this story, I've I've got your foot, you know, I'm doing this good job. And my shoulder came down, and then I could feel my whole arm was just tight. And my arm gave up the tightness. And then I got to the foot of this person and I realized you know, this poor person, I was squeezing their foot you know, out of this idea of doing a good job. Right. And I gave up the squeezing. And for the first time, I actually felt this human being where I wasn't trying to do something to them. I wasn't trying to do a good job. And you know, I, I realized how much extra, it makes me cry. I realized how much extra I was doing in my life that was separating me. It wasn't bringing me into connection. So that was you know, very important to me, to feel how much extra I was doing in my life. And that has stayed with me. And the third thing that happened was um, in, the, in the classes, you know, we do simple practices, and then there's a time of sharing. And a woman said, I feel so choked up in my throat. I feel like I can't breathe. And Charlotte asked somebody to get a pitcher of water in a glass. And she gave it to the woman. And she said, start pouring. So the woman started pouring. And as she got to the top, she was about to stop. And Charlotte said, keep pouring. The water started to spill everywhere. And that woman just started weeping and weeping. And Charlotte said, You know, and I was a New Yorker. I I had no sense of bowing and all this. I, I had never seen that. Charlotte said, can you bow to it? She said, if you, if these tears weren't here, if you weren't feeling what you were feeling, you wouldn't be crying. The fact that you can feel it means that something new can begin. And, you know, I realized that in my growing up, when there was something painful, my family buried it and held on to it. And it wasn't until years later that my mother once told me, and would never talk about it again, you know, that she grew up being sexually abused by her father. And she never talked to my dad about it. She lived her whole married life and never spoke to my father about it. And her trauma was in my body and was in my psyche. And I didn't even know what it was. But she grew up surviving by burying it and not talking about it and not feeling it. And there she was she gave open this path to me to charlotte who's saying if you feel what's here and you bow to it you let yourself sit with it change can happen things can start Mm. so my mother gave me this gift and a gift that she didn't know how to have for herself and to me you know this is part of what really drew me to want to offer something to veterans, because I also grew up during the time of the, the Vietnam War, and I saw people, you know, we'd sit around and see what draft numbers were coming up on the television, and I'd see students getting drafted, and, and I was part of the protests, of protesting against the war, and in my ignorance, and in my mind, I was vilifying, even though I'd seen people drafted, and I'd seen people, you know, but in my mind, it was like, Because at then, which is not the same now, but during that time, there would be all kinds of graphic images being shown on television, all the things happening. And so, you know, out of my youth and my ignorance, it's like I thinking there are these horrible people over there doing these horrible things that I, of course, would never do. And I, you know, somehow I believed this. And, And so then I, in my mind, could vilify veterans. And then to see people come back And suffer for decades, so much pain of not having a safe place to touch anything they experienced, and then being vilified and mistreated. And that in my mind, I was doing that. And as I grew and got older, I realized, you know, I have no idea how I would be in war. And even if I've had a practice for fifty years, I have no idea what, how I would respond. But the suffering that happened and this vilifying of people and that in my mind, I was part of that uh, has been, you know, that's, that's very painful for me. And when we were about to bomb Iraq, the day before, you know, there were marches all over the world. And I was marching in San Francisco with my daughter by my side. And it was very reminiscent to me of marches during the Vietnam era. But now, you know, It was my children going off to war, not my peers. And also I was not in a place of ignorance of this judgment and vilifying. I was in a place of having my heart broken to feel what are people going to be left to carry? And what would I wish for my own kids if they were coming back? And what I would wish for my own kids was very, very clear to me. If it was my son and my daughter, I would want them to be with other people who had shared similar experiences where they could feel really safe. I would want them to be with people who knew how to hold space for pain, who weren't gonna dig in and try and pull anything out, but could create a safe place for them to touch whatever their own experiences authentically were and what they were ready for. And I would want them to have some practice that would help sustain them in their life to keep growing and to keep opening. Uh, and then, you know, when we went to, to bomb Iraq, I realized I'm never going to stop us from going to war. But what can I do? What's in my hands? What do I have the power to actually do? And I was very culturally incompetent. Chris and I, even you know, we're both culturally incompetent, really, about military life now. And I mean, I was completely ignorant. And I'd done all this diversity work into and that enough diversity work to know I'm culturally, completely culturally ignorant and incompetent. But I thought if veterans were interested, I trusted that sensory awareness practice and meditation would be useful. And I thought, you know, I can offer it. I don't know if anybody will come, but this is what I have to offer. And I wanted, I wanted to do that. You know, I wanted to help take some of this pain that people have been left to carry for decades and decades and generations. So um, we started exploring to see if anybody wanted to come. And then little by little veterans helped uh, shape things that were valuable. And and this work has been some of the most rewarding and meaningful work of my life. And I feel so blessed actually for all the veterans who I've met, the um, dignity and courage and deep heart Deep love for each other, deep love of service. So,
0: I've been given a lot. Well, you've you've also given a lot, and uh, and I am thankful for the the work that that you and Chris have done, uh, and and I know that it is it is truly changing and and saving lives, and not just of the the veterans that you have at your retreats, but of their families, their friends uh, I mean the second and third order effects that come from the work that you guys have been doing is just incredible and immeasurable. So, uh, thank you for, for what it is you have created. Um, and I am honored uh, and privileged to be a part of it now. And, uh, and I hope that I continue to be a part of it for a long time to come. Um, thank you for that incredible and authentic, uh, experience that you walked us through there, both of you, um, <clears throat> lots to, lots to feel there and, uh, and, and to be with, um, I, I do want to get into veterans path and you, you mentioned the, you know, the, the, the initial coming together and you didn't know if anybody was going to show up, but I want to know how you two came together and then, <clears throat> um, how the discussions went to, Hey, I want to, I want to form a, a nonprofit that does this. How did that, how did that come to be? And then that's over to, Oh, really?
1: (laughs) We never said we want to form a nonprofit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was just a meeting, kind of a gathering. So how did that, how did it start then?
1: You want to, you want to share that Chris?
2: I think it happened the way most things happen, is out of a... It's like, how does anything begin? And it's like, how how did you end up here in Veterans Path in the long stream of your life? And in some ways, it doesn't make any sense. And in another, you look back and you think, well, my whole life was leading me here. Uh, so Lee and Lee and I knew each other at San Francisco Zen Center our kids were the same age Uh, we've known each other and I've known uh, Lee's husband and she's known my family since before Uh, we were married before we had kids these are long-term relationships that uh, we're witnessing each other all the way through which I think is is a pretty remarkable thing and in many ways I've thought that the formative period of Zen training, those early days when we were young, there probably is some parallel with the military and the kind of bonding that goes on then, because you're open, you're uh, you're receptive, or you're need- needing. Um, But there's also something in the training that you know that you share in your bones. And it is going to be expressed through your life in one way and others in different ways as we go forward. But for Lee and I, the meeting around, uh, I I think so many of us were feeling the the escalation of going to war and what can we do and how can we help. And at that point, I had been practicing long enough to to know and really feel in my bones is... Anybody or anything you put outside yourself, you're putting some part of yourself outside. So these people that were going off to to do something on some mission and and the divide between the military and the civilian, and the feeling of they're going to go do this and we're gonna I think at that time we were told to stay home and shop, <laughs> which is just I'm 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 sorry I I, I feel that in this time too is. We need to shelter at home and what can we do? And that to me is one of the key uh, bridges with the vets is is one there is really beautiful discipline that comes out of the uh, Zen tra- tradition um, that I think has some pa- parallels with military training. And the other is it, it's been wonderful to experience how much uh, we share the same heart of service is there are many reasons that people go towards anything but so many of the people that have uh, been part of veterans path is it's because they care and they want to help and they want some way to feel a part of and almost like payback for <laughs> uh, i i have i have this life and how can i help help people so that um and i think lee and i shared that heart and a, and a fierceness around it. So it was just a natural progression. And the whole thing about a nonprofit was like someplace down the road, well, I guess when we went this far, and I guess we'd better put some structure and some name and frame around it. And by that time, there were people around who could help do that. But mostly, it was all just kind of stumbling forward. Up, upright, trying to figure out h- how to grow something that could continue to help other people, which was also, I just want to say, was helping me too, because the the deep reciprocity of what the vets have taught me about my own life and my own suffering and uh, nobility and courage and uh, uh, s- suffering is is I've always and continue to feel just a profound sense of privilege that veterans have welcomed me into the circle and let me sit there and, and
1: that we can explore our shared heart. You know, some of the specific things that happened was when I was feeling like what is something that I can do, I just decided I'm gonna offer 4 one day sensory awareness workshops and see if any vets wanna come. I just thought I can do that. I don't need money, I don't need, I have training. I, and, and so I, I decided I was gonna do that. And I told Chris, I'm gonna do this. And Chris said, you know, I've been wanting to offer meditation. I want to do this too. So we decided we would do it together. And then um, I was talking to a friend from Zen Center, who is now the uh, president of Zen Center, Linda Gallian, and told her, Chris and I are going to offer these four one-day events for veterans. And she said, oh, well, Zen Center should help. Uh, and she said, we can offer you a place to do it, and we'll sponsor the food. And um, and Chris and I started going to talk to veterans organizations, um, which you know I had never heard of. But we found Swords to Plowshares and spoke to somebody there and said, "Hello, you know, this is who we are. This is what we can do. Um, anybody interested?" And, Very um,
0: grassroots <laughs> type of way of doing well, that's, things.
1: that's actually what happened. Is you know Swords to Plowshares actually got really excited to have us come talk to their. Um, I don't know. It was all their social workers and psychologists and. And they were excited because Zen Center was part of it and they thought this is really interesting. And Swords to Plowshares, I don't know if you know it, but it's no. it's, it's a uh, one of the oldest organizations I think for vets is started by a Vietnam vet um, and it provides residential treatment for veterans and all kinds of legal treatment. And it's a, it's actually a wonderful program. And so they got really excited and they started sending veterans. They sent a bunch of veterans to the first one day event that we were doing at Green Gulch Farm. We went to, um, we just you know started calling up vet centers. I had never even heard of a vet center, and um, I didn't know the difference between the VA, VA and a vet center, And right. but there was a vet center counselor um, who had been a meditator since he was uh, a little boy. And he was like six foot seven, he was huge. And he said he went into the military, to um, my memory is he went into the military to find out what it really means to be a man. Um, and then he ended up getting a, a doctorate in, um, I don't know if it was gender studies or something, but really interested in how do people develop their own strength and how to integrate his, he was a, an officer in Iraq and and then working at the Vet Center. And so he started getting involved with us and sending vets. And um, I love whitewater river rafting. And so I thought, well, we should do a river rafting trip. And my daughter was a river guide and I had a friend who was a river guide. and um, Nick Osborne who was the Vet Center counselor helped me and Chris organize this river trip and we took I think it was eight vets uh, white water rafting and you know we didn't even know when we started what to say what we were doing like we were very timid about saying um, we're offering meditation and mindfulness we didn't even use the word in the beginning we just said you know we're going to do the stress reduction and you know way to come together and People have shaped this all along. You know, there was somebody from uh, Rebecca Lesnick, who is a recreation therapist at the VA. I I don't remember even how they heard about us, but they, she brought a bunch of vets to um, a rock climbing event that we did. So we, you know, we started doing these one day events where we were combining practice with physical activity. Because actually on the very, one of the first, the second one day event we did, we were in San Francisco and there were people there from swords to plowshares and we were all sitting in this room and there were, Um, Vets were sitting there and they were kind of looking at us, and Chris and I were kind of looking at them, and they're kind of, you know, legs are bouncing up and down, and they're wondering, what in the world are they doing there? (laughs) In a way, Chris and I were looking at each other, thinking, what in the world are we doing here? (laughs) And one vet said, um, They said we were going to go on a hike. And Chris and I looked and we thought, hike? That's a great idea. You know, we're going to do a little connection with breathing, and then we're going to have lunch, and then we got cars and we went out to do this hike so it was like little by little we started realizing um, and it was a veteran who had seen that we were doing something at zen center and we were doing rock climbing and he said he called up and said i can't wait to go to come to this uh, meditation veterans event and we hadn't even used the word meditation and it was actually veterans themselves who helped us wow find one that we needed to do physical activity that we weren't going to just sit around and Trying to do some kind of practice, but that also we could name the truth that we were bringing practices that sustain us in our life, and we could name it meditation, and we could name it mindfulness. And um, so, little by little, you know, we started doing these different events, and veterans um, gave us feedback about what worked or what didn't work, and we reached out for feedback. And you know, we both did a lot of reading, looking at videos, asking veterans what's you know what should we what should we how should we educate ourselves and um, and then over the time uh, when we were doing we started doing these one-day events after the four we started we continued and at some point uh, most of the time it was men who were coming to those events and maybe one or two women and then the women came to us and said we need something just for women our experience is really different sure and that's how we started doing women veterans retreats and doing it over a longer time Uh, So each of these ways that we evolved came because we were trying stuff out and then veterans gave us feedback and then we saw we can contribute here. This is something that has meaning and and the women veterans retreats. There was a lot of witnessing of people's stories, which was really powerful. People shared things that they some of them had never shared anywhere before being able to be witnessed and in a safe way was really meaningful and Uh, So, you know, that also evolved into doing an anchor program, which was to help support people after a retreat. So there's this continuity of integrating practice into our lives and having this community of support. And then people, you know, then vets make connections with each other and they can support each other, but in a context of practice and not in just kind of um, keeping stuff at a distance, you know, and getting together and drinking or bullshitting or, you know, it's just like but there's a way that people could be with each other and, and support each other to not be so alone. And that's been very profound. Yeah, and yeah. then veterans also became, got trained as leaders, sorry. There's just, because this is- No, go, go, veterans go, please. As leaders, because they mentored and they had a role that, you know, is so different. And for veterans to lead and support each other. So, you know, we supported veterans to become leaders and facilitate events and um, you know, So the, the, this kind of sense of love and service to each other has been uh, a core element to Veterans Path, I think that's touched all of us.
0: Yeah, certainly. You know, Go ahead.
1: <laughs> You're not gonna get a word in it. I everywhere. love it, I love it.
0: <laughs> I'm not here to talk, I'm just here to help to facilitate.
2: <laughs> I'll just, the word that kept coming to me uh, was authenticity. Is I think there's different kinds of training And that there is um, uh, clearly training that happens in the military, but then what, what happens when you leave and you go back out into civilian life? And you just have to be a person. And often all the training that happened is what was that and how is it gonna be used and how's it gonna be respected and how... So I think the core of both the tra- the uh, practices that Lee and I have, Lee Sensory Awareness and for me Zen and meditation, is the intention is is to help people be good, true human beings. So that nobody has to put some stamp on themselves that they're a meditator, or they're this, or they're that, or that was good, or that was bad. But just to slowly and gently, because often coming back home into the body in this life is you do do meet places that hadn't been met with uh, healing intentions. So, for vets to be able to sit together and that was the beauty of veteran the vet leaders because it's one thing if Lee and I, t- I, I, I. One of the things I love the most is Lee and Lee and I. I mean, they would make jokes about us and pink and granola and but when <laughs> but when a vet with with their tattoos and these huge guys and women would teach meditation because it was now in their own body and their own bones and do it in a way that was true and congruent and share it with other people so that other people can more and more just come home to their own bodies and be authentic, true human beings, which is, I think that's the path we're all on. But these transitions from the military to the civilian is that's part of what our culture has not picked up, is is okay, now, now you've got all this training and now that you've got all this experience, but n- now what, how are you gonna live it in a way that continues to feel true and deep? So, and I think that's the beauty of Veteran's Path, is we're not trying to make anybody into anything. We're trying to help each person and ourselves just be true to your own heart and your own life.
0: I'm gonna pause for a couple of seconds to see if, <laughs> am I good to talk?
2: I first.
0: I just wanted to give you guys a little grief. No, uh, I love, I love what you guys are are covering here. It's all phenomenal. Um, A couple of things I want to touch on there. I mean, being able to have veterans path, but not trying to make people into anything. I mean, that's a huge load off, off a veteran's shoulders, right? Uh, They come into the military. They got the training that you mentioned there, Chris, Um, the training that we get to, I don't know if, if, I'll use a term that I'm just going to make up: de-soldier, or unsoldier, or kind of unmilitarize ourselves, demilitarize ourselves. You know, it's it's limited, um, and it's even it's not even really a demilitarization so much as it is preparing you for a job on the outside. You know, I, I think that's I think that's important. We need to know how to interview. We need to know how to get a resume and everything else. But there's so much more to that transition, and I'm I'm personally going through it right now myself, um, and uh, I'm starting to feel a little bit of that loss of tribe, loss of um, uh, identity, where I've walked into a room, you know, for the last 24 years wearing a uniform that has a rank on it, has what you know warfare insignia I I was, um, which branch of the service I was, and and everything else, and. And that's an instant identity, instant street cred. When I walk into a room and now I'm now I'm walking in in a t-shirt and nobody knows me from, from anybody else in the room, uh, that that's tough for people. And there needs to be some type of training there. And I think that's what veterans path does is, is, I mean, it's not necessarily formalized for that, but it's, uh, it's a big piece in that you're able to find a sense of peace in that, find that acceptance, the transformation, and the honor, the, the true path there. Uh, I, I just love everything that you guys have, have done with Veterans Path uh, for, for everyone that you have done it for. As far as um, that, that kind of segues into my next question for you two, and it may be a difficult one, but we've had in the military, as we transition, you get that loss of identity uh, as, as you leave. What about the two of you? How hard has it been to step down from the leadership roles in veterans path and as the founders, um, do you feel a sense of loss or maybe a sense of relief? I don't know. Um, you
1: know, when you asked us about Having a conversation about wanting to start a nonprofit, you know, and and actually we never did have that conversation. It was other people who came to us and said, you know, you, you, you know, first it was like having a fiscal sponsor, and then you know, after after years, you should become a nonprofit. And um, neither Chris or I uh, had a desire to run an organization or um, lead an organization. Uh, so i mean i stepped into a lot of the administrative role of for years because it was needed because in order for us to be able to do this work that called to our souls really and our hearts we had to we had to raise money we had to be have an organizational structure we had to have you know all these different steps um that was never where i felt like this is my calling and this is how i should how i'm really called to use who i am uh, so you know there was always the goal for me about to step out of that formality of having a position and to run an organization i I never wanted to stop being able to work with veterans and to share practice because that's the work that started me and that's the work that still calls to me um uh so for me there's been some relief about stepping out of a formal role and um not having to stuff to make an organization work um, i have a lot of relief in that
0: <laughs> i thought there may be <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, y- you know having wanting to make sure that there's a path to be able to follow my heart and work the calls to me with veterans um, i feel like i'm going to be true to that no matter what and and you know and i love that veterans path is in other people's hands and that the spirit of what Veteran's Path is, is you know, it's, gonna, it's transforming and it'll emerge into what it grows into, but that's what's always happened. And I feel like I'm also emerging into what I grow into and how I'm called into service. And, uh, and I know that kind of, I'm really touched by the community of veterans that I've met and it calls to me. So how, you know, how I follow that, um, I'll continue. And um, this isn't answering your the question you just asked, but it was oh, left. No, open. it it, it is, absolutely. It. <laughs> absolutely is. <laughs> no, that is, that is, but I had a, something else I'm gonna add. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then, then Chris can add what she wants to add. But um uh you know, one of the things to me that's felt so important and still does, and so for me that's also part of the question, and maybe it's connected in how to continue to work with veterans in a way that Helps people find their own new path of service, and you know one of the things that I've seen so much is I've seen the pain, and people express it over and over again. Of you leave such a structured environment where your identity, just as you're describing, but it's everything. Your food is given to you. You know your schedule is everything, and to leave that, and you don't also don't have your tribe. You don't have the people that you you know made this commitment to give your life for and be there for. Uh, and then so many veterans who feel like my experience makes me um, like I'm alone. Other people don't share the same kind of English or pain or whatever I've experienced is, you know, it's, it's mine. And this I think that's one of the powerful things about being with other veterans where you can realize you're not the only one. And it's also this judgment and criticism that people carry about themselves and their own experience that uh, does a lot of harm because then it keeps stuff locked up even more and then the, the stereotypes or the opinions of civilians or other people who don't have any experience of what you've gone through, even family members, that isolation can just create a lot, of, um, a lot of anguish. And I feel like what practice offers is one, this community where you connect to others so that you're not alone. And then little by little to realize it's about, it's the same thing about, you know, Charlotte saying, bowing to what's there. It's like whatever these experiences are, to be able to bow to them, not keep them buried, where it takes a lot of energy to keep stuff locked up. It doesn't happen in freedom. It happens with a lot of energy to keep stuff buried. And that t- it makes us living in a kind of tightness and, and in a way, dissociation from our own fullness. And so, you know, and I feel like part of what's been real is Chris and I never pretended to know what we don't know. You know, I own the, I don't know, I don't, you know, I don't know all this stuff, but what I do know is what I've learned in my own practice. I I do know the pain of trying to keep stuff away. And I do know the comfort in meeting what's here. And so for me, that's the path. You know, I feel like Chris and I are still on the path. And I love the acronym because I think the acronym is for everybody. You know, and that's what we're talking about is finding the peace to be present and to be able to accept even things that are so painful. But in the acceptance then transformation happens, you know, and that's the path of honor, you know, that we honor whatever's here. It's not like I have all my shit together, you know, and I don't have all my shit together and I am in a transition of where am I most useful and how am I going to use my energy? And you know, a lot of my energy was used in Veterans Path. So I'm in this, I'm on the path. I'm just stepping where I am now.
0: Love it. <laughs> Chris?
2: I was thinking, uh, my, my son must have been, well, he was a lot younger then. <laughs> and now he's, he's gonna turn 38, I think, this week. And uh, I know how much I love him. And I feel that uh, same love for many of the vets that I've worked with. And it's appropriate for him to leave home. That's his job. That's what a good parent does. <laughs> it's, it's hopefully you give good s- skills and tools and support. And uh, I, I feel, I mean, I don't want this to sound like paternalistic, or but I, I feel like a proud, a proud parent. When I look at the vet leaders, and I hear them and what they're doing and how they're living their lives, that's what brings me to tears and and, and to know that they can pass it along and that you're gonna pass it along and and that uh, I miss the relationships, but they're also inside of me in the way that I I sense that what we've shared is inside of them. So, uh, and who I am and who I've always been is I'm a meditation teacher. Uh, and and uh, I changed and grew and became more. Uh, um, I was thinking we would go down to Ando Zen Zen Mountain Center, and and the vets were so rank conscious, and 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 it's and it's kind of encoded in Zen too. So they would like try to figure out who the generals were. <laughs> There was one time in the dining room where they, they were teaching many of us how to salute and, and we were teaching them how to bow and we were just like switching it back and forth and everybody in the dining room was laughing and enjoying it. And I feel like that's what's going to continue to happen. And uh, we're, we're gonna walk next to each other and that's a, a appropriate. And you guys are gonna walk on and that's appropriate. And that makes me really, really. It's in good, it's in good hands. That's what's important.
0: That's good to hear. And what makes me happy is, is that we got Chris Fortin to laugh on the, on the show. So (laughs) that's, that's, I was looking forward to that. And uh, hopefully our our audience was able to pick that up because it's just one of the most contagious laughs out there. I absolutely love it. Uh, So thanks for that, Chris. Uh, For,
2: uh, poor John, you're not going to get to say anything. Is I have I have laughed harder with the vets than I have laughed with anybody in my entire life. Maybe they freed up my laugh, and, and it's also because we've cried more. But the laughter has—is I just remember falling off my seat laughing so hard. They, so <laughs> that, that's the that's the other side of this work is is the complete joy of it.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's uh, that's another great segue for for the two of you. Do you have a particular greatest moment uh, in in veterans' path that that really sticks out to you in your memory or is it from start to finish the whole thing all blends together what's uh what's that for you guys? I'll start with uh, start with Chris <laughs> <laughs>
2: there
0: it is there it is. <laughs> So yes. The
2: two that immediately came to my mind were being in class five rapids and somebody falling out of the boat and the feeling of like, oh, shit, <laughs> <laughs> getting them back in the boat. But the, 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 the intensity of being, which, and I can only imagine the intensity of, that we shared in that moment somehow uh, resonates with the intensity that many of you are holding in your body and that we could get them back in the boat and to safety. Uh, the other is, is because I've been talking about laughters. I remember sitting at a retreat around a fire at night, and Jessie, who is this amazing vet, and who is so funny, and she would start rifting, and we just we la- laughed and laughed and laughed so they're both kind of intense experiences but in very, maybe touching similar places but in really different it's like it's that really close place between laughter and tears that yeah and it freed something in me and i think we can help each other i mean we need to learn how to laugh and cry together not just veterans and civilians but this country and this world is how, how do how do we show up authentic and true and that w- we're not separate and we need to help each other can help each other.
0: Right. And they are both so healing, laughing and crying together in different ways and how important they are to express those emotions and not not keep them bottled up, either one of them. So it's beautiful that you're able to bring that out on both ends with the veterans. What about you, Lee?
1: Well, I mean, there's so many different moments, Um, you know, in this journey of leaving Veterans Path, I made a goodbye book for myself, um, where I took years and, you know, I just took favorite photographs from years. This book is like fat. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just all these different moments that that touched me so deeply. Um, Chris made me think of when you were talking about Jesse, it made me remember. (laughs) um, We were on, when we first met Jesse, I think, we were on a white water rafting trip, and there were just a few women, mostly men. And, um, you know, we would do rafting, but then we would always have practice that we would do in the beginning of the day, and then when we'd stop in the afternoon and at the end of the day. And during one of those times, um, I was leading a practice of sensing and I was inviting people. I don't remember, you know, maybe coming with their hands to their chest or um, Chris is remembering. <laughs>
0: I hope I'm seeing it
1: <laughs> um, You know, just to come and be present and to, and to feel the impact of that presence. And, uh, and, then, and then people would share about their experience, and there was a vet who said something about, you know, they realized that they could actually be kind to themselves, that they didn't never realize that their own touch could be something kind, that they could have an impact. And you know, that, I loved hearing that. And I thought, because this is really true. And I said, you know, I said, that's, you know, that's true. I said, you know, I touch myself with kindness all the time. I don't wait for somebody else to touch me with kindness. At which point people started cracking up. And I'm, I'm looking sure. around, their minds are going somewhere else. Of I course. Had no intention of going. And it was just like, I'm just looking at them and I can see it. And I just said, you know, that's not what I was talking about. <laughs> not what I meant. Um, but then Jesse has retold that story a million times, and she adds, she augments, she says she doesn't. She adds, <laughs> she's got a southern accent. Um, and I think, and so it's, I mean, it just cracks, it just, it's so funny, but also that, the truth of that and the laughter of that both, because it's like, I completely stand in the power of touching yourself with kindness, and I'm not talking about being sexual. Although right, right. to do with kindness too. Um, but, <laughs> But, you know, just the power of actually touching yourself with kindness and understanding that we can hold this physical, really physical. When I get when I start getting tense and feel like I'm getting charged, I do bring my hands to my chest and I feel this sense of offering my presence, my own calmness, my own compassion. Just, OK, well, you know, OK, you know, it's like this. I'm starting to spin. OK. And land in breath. And then there was a vet who actually carved on a cutting board for me a gift which says, Touch yourself with kindness. You
0: know. <laughs> That's amazing.
1: But I think it's actually one of the core elements of veterans. We've
0: got to we, we got to find a different way to phrase that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can do that. But I have a problem with my way. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> the willing to be humiliated. And- <laughs> you no, know, I just like I it, but it's, but the, the, that we could laugh about it, and also people knew it's actually true. Yeah. And so you know, the, the, and the the other memory that comes to me is something very different, which is um, at Tassahara, which is the Zen Buddhist monastery where Chris and I both practiced for years, where we did our first women's retreats. And it's located in a, in a mountain valley in the wilderness. It's a very powerful place. And Vanessa Mead, who I think she, you did a podcast with Vanessa. Yeah, Vanessa better. Sure who. Um, has helped us develop all the women's programs and helped facilitate them. But she also participated, she did kind of both and held a complicated space. Um, Vanessa was in the first Gulf War and she um, had found a Iraqi a, a helmet in an abandoned bunker that she took back home and she kind of kept in a box for twenty years. And then at some point as she was really practicing, uh, all of these, all of these experiences were coming up that she had locked up and she was feeling that she actually wanted to ask the Iraqi people for forgiveness and so she spent days writing a letter um, talking about things that had happened to her and um, things that she had done and things that she had never shared out loud and you know she shared this and it in a small group of people this wasn't at a veterans path retreat but it was in a sensory, sensory awareness workshop and um, then she took that helmet home and she sat meditation with this helmet in her lap for months like for three months either in front of her or on her lap working with forgiveness forgiveness about what was done to her and forgiveness about what she did then she brought it with her to our Sahara women vets retreat and she put it on the altar the whole time and she also read the letter that she wrote to the women veterans there and one of the women who had been coming to the retreats had said they wanted to uh, she wanted to give back to Tasahara. so she asked whether vets could contribute and whether we could plant a tree at Tassahara and honor women veterans and to make a contribution so um, she brought down a cherry tree and we did a ritual uh, uh, planting the tree and during the time of hearing people's stories uh, it's a lot of tears you know talking about the laughter and then when you're hearing stories of things that you know, they kind of, they go really deep into people's, the depth of their being. There's a lot of tears. So we actually put a trash can in the middle of the circle and we said, put your Kleenex in the trash can because these tears are sacred. And we're going to, we're going to put this into the ground when we plant the tree. So at Tassahara, we did this ritual where we took this basket filled with tissues and people's tears, Uh, And there were other things that people put into the hole of things that they wanted to let go of, but also wanted to kind of leave there in sacredness as we planted this tree. Because in a way, for me, you know, this work is very sacred work, and we hold it in that way. And, um, And Vanessa planted a helmet at the bottom of the tree. And the Kleenex went in, and the helmet was there. And we planted this in summertime, which is not the best time to plant a tree. Uh, but the tree thrived, and the gardener at Tassahara thought that it th- one of the reasons it thrived was because this helmet underneath, underneath the roots was helping to hold the water. So for me, that's also a really powerful moment in memory, is all of these women veterans and all of these stories being held in, the, in sacredness, in a place of uh, practice, with an intention to bring that pain into something that brings healing, and brings life, and brings joy. So those are two different moments that stand out for me.
0: Fantastic moments, and um, yes, I did. I did have Vanessa on as as one of my first guests, and she did share that sh- that story. And I, I love the symbolism there, and the and the analogy. I, I'm so much symbolism burying the tears, burying the heartache. Uh, finding forgiveness there, and then the tree thriving from that. Uh, I don't know that it was just the the fact that it was holding water, but maybe uh, maybe everything else that went into that that soil that really made it as rich as it was, and and helped that tree to to grow. Uh, so I, I just love that story. I actually learned that story from Vanessa at the leadership uh, transition because I I believe there was a picture of our helmet in the uh, in the program. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I asked what it was all about. And, uh, yeah, I found out that that story. So, uh, I, I love it. Um, that's the third time I've heard that story and I'm sure it will not be the last. And, uh, eventually I'm sure I'll be sharing it myself. So thank you for that. Um, so, okay. What about, um, what about what you guys are doing now outside of veterans path now that you're not bogged down with, uh, some of the administrative minutiae, uh, that you may have gotten bogged down with in the past, maybe not bogged down, but it took some of your time. Um, Lee, what are you doing now outside of Veteran's Path?
1: Well, now is a kind of bizarre time because now oh, yes. Yes, middle yes, of the sure. pandemic, which is, um, uh, so it's it's asking something different too. I mean, right now, you know, there's different needs happening as we're all kind of in the midst of this not knowing. Right. And So just for me, the same for me is when I was feeling like I wanted to offer what I had to offer to start Veterans Path. You know, one of the things that I can offer is I've been doing lots of classes online. So I've actually been doing free classes for veterans, um, you know, just once a month and anybody's welcome to join. Um, So I just do a sensing class for an hour and a half and also give people a chance to see each other and also, I have students, a lot of students in Spain, and Spain, you know, has been so drastically affected by the virus, and so I've been giving classes for students in Spanish and in Spain, and, and people from other countries have joined in. And because I'm also an early childhood educator, um, I am connected to um, First Five in San Francisco, where I've been giving sensory awareness classes to early childhood educators, uh, one for in English and one in Spanish. Many, many, many of the people participating are immigrants and um, themselves, and then they work with lots of immigrant families. And people who are really hard hit by financially and um, living close quarters, you know, not even being able to separate when people are sick. I mean, there's just all kinds of things happening, thinking about how you're going to take care of children, trying to take care of children on the, you know by zoom or phone, and figuring out what's going to happen when things open. So I've been giving classes there and, uh, for some people in Marin County, uh, people who, uh, uh, some public health workers and also, uh, folks who work on, uh, drawdown who are looking at the climate crisis. And, you know, for me, one of the things that really speaks to me and I'm looking for where I can contribute and, and what I can do, um, what we're doing to our planet terrifies me and breaks my heart the kind of destruction um, that's that not going to be, you know, once certain things are destroyed, we're not going to get it back. You know, the ice cap is it's destroyed. It's not going to be recreated. And so to try and help us wake up to feel, to recognize what's happening and to see how to engage together and unify together. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of opening to that pain for myself. You know, I have a one-year-old grandson And I'm with him, and I see this innocence and this joy of life, and it brings such joy to me. And then I think about what heritage are we leaving for this little person? And um, so i'm I'm really turning that and wondering, you know what, how to contribute? What can I do? And I have a notion in the back of my head of making a corps of veterans to come to service together and working to address um, this crisis. Um, So, you know, I'm giving sensory awareness classes. I'm offering this where I can. And uh, the retreats that we're supposed to do in person, um, who knows what's going to happen in person or not. Uh, You know, and then we have the the anchor program for for Veterans Path um, in August, which we'll do online or in person. And so I'm just kind of opening to feel, where can I contribute now? And what's calling to me? And how to meet the changing situation and keep discovering. What do I have to give
0: yeah well, this is definitely a unique time to be uh to be what you guys are as far as mindfulness teachers uh sensory awareness teachers that's uh I think critical in this time in this day and age, writ large and then specifically with what we have going on with this pandemic um <clears throat> there's there's actually some of my veteran or not sorry, not veteran, but, um, service member friends who are in really unique situations. One of them was transitioning out. Um, his family moved to New Zealand. Um, and then he was going to move and they shut the borders. So he's been stuck here in the States, um, after he retired from the military and his family is in New Zealand. So he's essentially, on another deployment away from his family mm-hmm. uh, because of because of COVID nineteen, um, and you hear about veterans who are you know stationed in Germany, in Europe, and they're not able to come back stateside even though they've been deployed for a year or more, and it's uh, so many things that have never happened before. Uh, but then coming back to address what you mentioned as far as um, being really afraid of the legacy that we're leaving for, for our future for, I mean, I've got a one year old little boy downstairs You you guys may have even heard them crying earlier on the show because I am doing this from the house right now. Um, but yeah, my, my three year old little girl and my one year old little boy are downstairs and they were pitching a fit a little while ago. But, uh, but yeah, there's definitely a, a fear there uh, in me. What are we leaving for these for for our children, our grandchildren, our future? But that said, I've also never seen humanity, yes, we may be socially distancing. I prefer the term physically distancing, but I've never seen us all as a globe come together like we are all together right now. It's pretty powerful, and maybe this is a wake-up call that we need to come together to address this and so many of the other problems that are out there that we are facing as as a human race uh, or human species, rather. Um, sorry I could wax eloquent there maybe not so eloquent but I could go (laughs) go on for a while there Uh, I'll come back to the the conversation at hand Uh, Chris what about you Uh, what are you doing right now and and what's next for you
2: Uh, one just bowing to everything you just said and uh, I'm, I'm continuing to do what I've always done and will do until the day I die, whenever that may be in the midst of this pandemic and in the global crisis, which are both things that I'm actively, uh, I I feel so lucky that I have this practice that's deep in my bones and that I can uh, hold a space for others to sit down in, because if we keep reacting out of fear and old patterns and reactivity, We're just gonna keep creating the same old messes, which we're probably gonna do anyway. (laughs) But maybe we can make little turns in the road and maybe as some of us more and more uh, realize just to stop, just to breathe, just to be willing to feel what needs to be felt in the body is how the heart opens and how we more and more know you and I are separate people and we and everyone are caught in this web of mutuality. So that's my life. I'm on, during the pandemic, I hear lots of people sitting at, I mean, it's fine, whatever you're doing is like they're bored or they're reading or whatever. I'm, I'm just nonstop offering uh, Dharma spaces and uh, practice places for people because I'm just so sure we all have, have to contribute what we can and that's what I can contribute.
0: Yeah. beautiful beautiful well um coming to the end of the show here this has been phenomenal what have we not covered that the two of you would like our listeners to hear uh chris we'll start with you
2: i just i maybe we did this off before we began but i i i want to bow to you and your experience and everything that brought you here and your children and a new puppy <laughs> 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 and your <laughs> and, and the journey you and your wife are about to set out on, and and the cur- the ongoing courage to just uh, trust your own feet and your own heart and your own life, and that uh, I I just so deeply wish you well. And Veterans Path, we must be doing something good because we got you, John.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Lee, over to you.
1: Well, I, I completely agree with Chris that um, to acknowledge your heart and that you you know you're you're very conscious about transitioning out of the military that's been your life since you were a teenager, right? Or since
0: yeah, yeah, nineteen. Yeah, so that's when which is when I first took my
1: first sensory awareness workshop. Um, you know, and just that so that you know that you understand, and even you know as you were in the midst of your own military service, understanding. The power of mindfulness practice it touched you in this way and that your commitment of wanting to serve others and so to, to you know to really honor that and to honor the work of dave drake who's the executive director and the board you know all these people who have believed in veterans path and have committed their money their energy their their vision to trying to s- support um a path for all of us you know and a path for Uh, for veterans. And just, you know, and I think for me, it's like, also understanding, you know, I I have to laugh, because, you know, in a lot of our retreats, people say, I can't stand civilians, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, I understand, but hello.
0: (laughs) 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 and start, foot, um, in mouth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, people didn't. I mean, they understand. They know Chris and I know we're civilians. And they knew we weren't taking it personally. But, you know, just to understand that, you know, that, that, There's a lot of ignorance. A friend of mine said, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And it's not up to veterans to educate civilians, but how we all come together to know. And just like in the pandemic, you know, it doesn't really matter what you look like, what your life story is. You know, there's a certain kind of vulnerability and there's a vulnerability and interdependence of of all of us. And um, so how to kind of cultivate this building on strengths, which to me has been part of the essence of veterans path, is really finding people to trust their own strength. It may not look the same, the training's not the same, but the strengths and resilience that people have, that belongs to everybody. And to be able to build on that so that we find the teams and we find the way that we each contribute and and, um, to, to be able to see that in each other. So I think that the world needs us very much. For each one of us to find and trust in what we have to bring forward and you know this path of service that's brought so many people all through their military service there's another path here that we're cultivating and that's needed and that we can all bring our strengths together to weave something that has more resilience and more support
0: beautiful well for the two of you um if, if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you, I mean, obviously, Veterans Path, they can contact you through me, but if they wanted to contact you directly uh, about what it is you're doing outside of Veterans Path, um, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Lee, uh, I'll start with you.
1: Um, so I have a website called ReturnToOurSenses.com. Return to our senses. It would be a good thing to do to return to our
0: senses. I'll make sure that's in the notes so that people can see that and click on it.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, that, because often I do do workshops in person, and also any workshop I do, and I have other workshops online, and I'm really happy whenever I can. People can always pay whatever they can afford, um, and some stuff is just free. And they can, people can also always email me at leelesser at gmail.com. There
0: you go. I'm really
1: happy to be in touch with anybody in any way that is helpful.
0: And, and I will attest to that because I, I reached out to Lee long before I think she even knew that I was interested in Veterans Path <laughs> um, wow. and uh, she connected with me on LinkedIn uh, and graciously accepted my, my connection request. So thank you for that Lee. Chris, uh, what about you? How, how can people reach out to you uh, for what, what it is you're doing now?
2: Well, you won't find me on LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> I know, I, I look for you.
2: <laughs> not, <that's> fine. <laughs> on my website is DharmaheartZen.com. Um, and there's lots of information on there. And my personal email is Chris C H R I S F O R T I N at Comcast.net. And I'm There you here. go. Yeah, there you go. Well,
0: that yeah easy enough and I'll make sure those are also in the uh, in the show notes both on uh, YouTube and uh, and on all the different um, audio platforms that we host this on so Lee and Chris uh, this has been so much fun uh, it's actually been kind of a, a run on the emotional roller coaster but thank you for taking me on that ride uh, I've really enjoyed it. I know you. I have known you both for months now, but I feel like I know you both so much better after uh, this this episode. And uh, and that really is one of the, that's one of the things I love about this is is getting to know people on a completely different level and in a different way. But uh, I am so honored to have had you both on the show today, and and I'm so honored and and privileged to be a part of Veterans Path. And uh, and I hope that you know that it is in good hands with, with Dave and myself, and, uh, we're going to take good care of what it is you built and, uh, and take it onward from here. So thank you again for, for being on the show today. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thank you. Well, until we speak again, stay safe and stay healthy. For our listeners and viewers, thank you again for listening to or watching our show please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. We too are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe button here on the podcast or here on YouTube. Leave us a comment, a review, a like, and again, share it with anyone you feel needs to hear our message. And remember, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives.